I just want to say bless all of your hearts that you stayed here from Florida to listen to me today. No, that's not why you stayed. I, I know everybody has their reasons to stay in, but it'd be nice to be on the beach right now. Yeah? But you know, we're here, and God's presence was... I don't know. I, I'd rather be in God's presence. I really would. Beach is nice, though. So, But today is Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. I, I, I personally want to thank every, everybody... Um, that has been praying for Amanda and I the last few weeks. Um, ups and downs, and um, I've, I've definitely I have felt your your guys's prayers. It's nice to it's nice to go home and you just get a card in the mail. We're thinking of you. We've been praying for you. Anything we can do, it's nice to to be in a church family like this. Um, it was actually this time, this time last year when, when Pastor Bob and Carla were gone and I was supposed to do the order of the service, um, my grandma was in a car accident, ended up passing away, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, I, I felt like I needed to be with my family, but I felt like, oh, I've got to do the service, and we had kids go into the Attica concert that night, and, you know, I called, uh, I called uh, Derek up, and he took care of that for me, and, uh, I called Tim Biesecker up, and he, he said he'll take care of the service and everything. And what I got the most out of, out of talking with Tim was he stopped what he was doing to pray for me over the phone. And I know that sounds, that sounds simple and silly, but as a pastor, I don't always think to do that when I talk to people on the phones. And it was a learning experience for me to, to see somebody modeling that, that you could... Prayer is in all times. And I just wanted to thank, thank you guys for, for that. It's a blessing. The last, last few weeks, actually months actually, God's just, he's laid wisdom and discernment on my heart as a topic to, to preach. And that's kind of what we've been talking about in youth the last few months. And, you know, we had, uh, we have the, uh, the prayers breakfast two weeks ago, and we were just praying for our country, and and that's what I kind of had here was we we need to get to a place of discernment because there's there's so much going on out there in this world, and we need to know where we're where we're making our stand. And I don't think that was an accident that we focused on that in in prayer uh, for prayer partners for the breakfast. Um, well, it be in uh, Palm Sunday. I felt it appropriate to read the, the that, that part of Scripture. So, if everyone will turn to the Bibles in Matthew twenty-one, one through eleven, and if this was the youth, I'd make you make a noise when you get there. But you don't have to make a noise unless you want to, and it's any noise. Somebody give me a noise. That's it. They all sorts of. It keeps things interesting. Matthew 21, 1-11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go out to the village ahead of you, and at once <clears throat> and at once, you will find a donkey tied up there with her colt by her. 
Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what the prophet spoke about. Son of daughter... Am I the only one hearing that? What the heck? Okay. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to to you gentle and riding on a donkey and a colt and a fowl of a donkey. The disciples went out and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while the others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. Somebody just want to open that door and see what that is? Who's curious? Go open the door, Kyle. Ethan, go open the door. We want to figure out what this is. Nothing. We could do this kind of stuff in youth. If this isn't appropriate, just don't tell Pastor Bob, okay? Because this is what I'm used to, just random stuff. So we just read, we just read the story of, of, of the first Palm Sunday People are taking off their jackets and their coats and they're laying them on the donkey, they're laying them on the road. People are cutting branches off saying, Hosanna. And what, I've, what I always can't believe out of this story is how these people that hardly know who this man is, but it's said in verse 10 that they were stirred. And I believe in my heart that's where we need to get right now is we need to get stirred. We need to know that who Jesus is. This man riding on the donkey, there was stirred. I don't know if I would have been stirred if I saw this, but there was a movement. And everyone, you know when there's a movement, especially with the Holy Spirit, there's something that just draws you to, to what is it? It's, a, it's an attraction. It's an, a, it's an aroma. It's a pleasant fragrance. You know and I can't help but think about all these people that gave, gave Jesus these, this praise this, on the first Palm Sunday. And literally, less than a week later, it was the same crowd that was choosing Barabbas over Jesus. I feel like we, we can, it takes a few voices, it took a few voices to, to, to say how Jesus was. And it, it, then the crowd began to form. Too often people are just following a crowd and they don't even know what it stands for. Well, if you turn to Proverbs 4, 5 through 9, or just follow along, it says this, Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will, <clears throat> she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. In all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, 
and she will promote you. She will bring you honor. When you embrace her, she will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory that she will deliver to you. When I read this to when I read this to my youth kids a few weeks ago, I asked them a question. I said, "Who wouldn't want this?" You read, you read what, what wisdom is for you. Who, who would not want that? Who would not want wisdom? It promotes honor. An ornament of grace on your head. It's the principal thing. And this is a gift of the Spirit. And this is one of the few gifts that Jesus says you can ask for it. In James 1.5... It says, any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all without fault, and it will be given to him. I look out here and every, every single, how many of you guys have made your decisions or choices in your life? Hard decisions, hard choices. What vehicle to buy, what house to purchase. And I know this is silly, but within all those questions... God should have been in there with that decision-making at some point because God cares for our finances. It's, God should be in every decision we make, whether small or big. So we're talking about wisdom. We're going we're gonna to look at the wisest man to ever walk the earth, besides Jesus, of course. So if you turn to 1 Kings 3, 5-9. through 9. I'm just curious. No one in first service actually flips their Bible anymore. Does, is anybody flipping a Bible? Here's some pages. In youth, we're, we're trying to do a new thing where I'm not putting the scripture up here. I'm trying to get these kids to open their Bibles because some of these kids don't even know where Genesis is. And I hope if I say this and you guys go, where is Genesis? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's. Cra- I know a lot of people have them on their phones and stuff, and you can just find it. But we need to crack open a Bible sometimes. We need to know where this scripture is. But First Kings three five through nine. It says, "At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, "Ask for whatever you want me to give you.'" And Solomon answered. You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him, and he has given you a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now the Lord, now Lord my God, God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, but I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among your people. Among your servant, discerning, give them a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Now Solomon, in, in his young age, he knew he had to have more. He knew he had to have wisdom and knowledge to, to guide the people of Israel. And listen to, listen to God's reply here in verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administrating justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you 
a wise, discerning heart, so that there will never be, there have never been any one like you, nor will there ever be. I don't think my first thing would have been wisdom or discernment if if God asked me for this. If I didn't know this story, if I didn't know, if I've never read the book of Proverbs and saw what, how important wisdom is, I don't know if I could have chose this. But what what was happening here was Solomon saw, he saw it echoed in his father David. He saw the promises, the faithfulness on David. David, I don't know if he even knew it, but he was being a model to Solomon at this time. Okay, this is a question for everybody, and you can answer it, okay? What is the beginning of wisdom? Anybody? You guys should know this. We discussed this. What's, what is the beginning of knowledge, of, of wisdom? <laughs> no, what's the beginning of wisdom? It's not knowledge. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Solomon understood that because he saw it in his father, David. And how often, if we want wisdom, it's, it's, it's easy. We should fear the Lord. And fearing the Lord, we'll, we'll want to know Him more. We'll, our prayer life will, will boost. Our, our devotion life will boost. And with that, that's when, that's when wisdom and discernment forms. We can't, we can't just get comfortable and just showing up to church. Just showing up to church and listening to a pastor, yeah, you get filled up, but you're not, you're, not, you're not feeding your inner self like you should. God wants, God wants intimate time with you. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I tell my, my kids this is, this doesn't mean you get whatever you want. And of course, all of you wise people out here, you guys know that, right? We, we've, got to, we've got to develop a prayer life, asking, seeking, knocking. And the things we pray for, they shouldn't just be for selfish gain. What we should be praying for are things that are going to benefit God's kingdom in the long run. And that's when God's going to bless us. Because He's not going to withhold anything from us, especially wisdom, if we're asking it, if we're seeking God for it, if we fear the Lord. I just want everybody to get how important wisdom and this discernment are. And I don't, I don't want to offend anybody, but if you're book smart or you have a degree in something... Who cares? Knowledge is great. Knowledge is also a gift of the Spirit. Look at our politics right now. Those are some intelligent people, and some of you guys are going, no, they're not. (laughs) 
They're intelligent people. They're full of knowledge. They just lack wisdom. They lack discernment. They don't have their moral. They don't not fall on a moral compass. They're not standing for anything. That's why we need to be the voice of reason as Christians, and to do it in love. So with that wisdom over knowledge, and I say that because, and here's an example of Saul. We, before he became Paul, he was very knowledgeable. He was part of. He was a Pharisee. He was part of the Sanhedrin. He knew the scriptures, but he didn't know how to discern what the Spirit of God was. So if you turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, or just follow along. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit message of wisdom, and to another message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that of the same Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing between spirits, and to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. And all these work to one of the same Spirit, He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Verse 10 says, to another, distinguishing between the spirits. That's discernment. And discernment goes along with wisdom. You know, it's, 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 it's a blessing that God gives us this choice. That's a spiritual gift we can ask for and He wants to bless us. Same spirit that gives wisdom, knowledge, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpretation. All the same. You know what? Paul, Paul, when he wrote this in Corinthians, he wised up a little bit. I'm going to take you back to when he wasn't so wise. You turn to Acts 7, 44-53. We've all heard the story of Stephen the prophet. This is Stephen addressing the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin at this time, they were just judges of ancient Israel. They were the teachers. They were the religious teachers at this time. Normally about 20, 20 some to 70 in different towns of, of Israel. But this is, this is what Stephen says to them as, as he's being put on trial. He says, Our ancestors have the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness, it had been made as God directed Moses, according to the pattern he had seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. And it remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not live in that house made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or will my rest, where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? 
And listen to Stephen here. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute when they killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one? And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through the angels, but not obeyed it. They knew the scriptures, but they, didn't, they couldn't discern the Spirit of God within it. Which, that should be a concern. That's scary. Let's go on to verse, verse 54. It says, When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him, dragged him off of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this against them. When he said this, he had fallen asleep. What was the, why was, what was the reason of death here? Stephen, the man, he looked up into heaven. He saw heavens open. He saw, he saw, he saw the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. If we just take, take time to, to look at what was actually happening there, they probably would have felt God's presence. But they were so, they, they weren't driven by, they were driven by, by hatred. They covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city. These are the religious leaders at that time. And they laid their feet, their, their coats at Saul's feet. There's too many opinions out in this world right now, but none of them matter if, if, if you don't go to God and you don't have a foundation you stand on. You know, I thank, <clears throat> I thank God for the Holy Spirit. I got friends that don't say they don't believe in God or whatever. They're not going to sense His Holy Spirit if they don't believe. Message of the cross is foolishness for those who don't believe. That's why we've got to get to a place of knowing what spirit is of God's. We need to seek out wisdom. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to speak, slow to become angry. Sometimes wisdom is just being slow to speak. I know that firsthand. Once again, I'm going to tell you this. God should be, the, he, 100% of, of the time, He should be the focus of our situations, of our questions that we ask. You know, along with, along with uh, wisdom, there's also blessings when it comes to the wisdom. Verse thir- uh, 1 Kings 3, 13-15 
says this, Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as God your father did, as David your father did, I will give you long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, and he stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his courts. I don't want anybody to ever pursue wisdom for, for wealth or riches. Because the blessing in itself is obtaining wisdom. The blessing in itself is obtaining discernment. Fearing the Lord. Sensing His presence on a daily basis. Look what Solomon does here after this. Verse 15, he wakes up. He realized it had been a dream. And he returned to Jerusalem and he stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. And he sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast to all his courts. First thing he did did was he he went to to the Ark of the Covenant. Which represented God's Holy Spirit. God spoke to him in a dream Next thing you know is he's going out to the, the thing he knows where God is. And the Israelites, when they crossed the Jordan, they were following, they were following God's spirit, the ark. And when the waters danded up upstream, they walked right, they gotta walk right past God's presence. That's the same ark that Solomon ran to after the stream. And he had his burnt offerings. At this time, a burnt offering was just of general atonement, an acknowledgement that the sin nature and the request for a renewed relationship with God. Solomon might not even, he might have had clean hands at this time, but he still, he still did this burnt offering just to have that renewed relationship with God. It's kind of like coming to the altars. How many remember Jamie Montera? He used to say he responded to every altar call. There was one time where um, it was like for, for marriage or something, and he looked at his wife and like, we're not struggling. Well, and then they, they grabbed each other's hands and they went up there together just because they didn't want to have a struggle in their marriage. The best one he said was, it was about homosexuality message. He's like, because he always goes, but he says he's human and he's capable of anything. And he doesn't want to ever struggle with that. So he, he answered an altar call to homosexuality. It is. It's, it's kind of funny. but If we have any opportunity to come to the, the front, why not do it? Especially if we're not doing it throughout the week. Last thing we see here is after Solomon's sacrifices, he blessed those around him. He, he prepared a, a meal, a feast for, for, his, uh, for his court. You know, I 
I'm already in closing. This has gone fast, but... Second Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12. And I know what I'm about to read is, is for the end times. But I believe this same spirit, it, it is among us right now. And what I, I, want you to, I just want you to listen to what's going on here. It says, The coming of the lawless one will be, will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve that serve the use of all sorts of displays of power through so signs and wonders. I just read that through the through the lie, in all the ways of the wickedness deceive those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. We've got, we've got to get to a place where we know what's of God and what's of Satan. And I hope, I hope no one in this, this, this room thinks that God's being harsh here when he, in verse 11 when he says, For this reason God sends a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that they will be condemned and who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Some might ask, why does God why would God send that delusion? Let's look at verse ten. In all the ways of the wickedness deceive those who are perishing. They perish because they have refused to love the truth. And so be saved. If you refuse to love the truth, if you have loved ones, if you have friends that just refuse to love the truth, they're gonna they're gonna God will send that delusion. Sin is only fun for but a season. And anything absent from God's presence, that should be punishment enough. Especially if you've seen the truth. If you felt the truth. My last scripture, John 10.10, says, The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But listen to this. This is what our Father says. I have come that they may have life and have it in the full. God came so we can have life to the full. And he wants us he wants us to fear him so we can know him more. So at this time I just want to I just want to open the altars. I don't want anything big and emotional to happen. I just, if this is an opportunity for us to seek God, to pray to Him. So at this time, if you would, if you want to come, we'll, uh, we're just going to enter into some worship and we're just going to pray. We're just going to seek out God for the remaining time.